Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. This is the third part of a three-part series. Um, It's going to be deep today, is that all right? Um, And uh, we've been looking at uh, God's Lordship in our homes over the last few weeks. And everything that God is speaking to us about at the moment and everything that he's doing in us all relates to what he's been speaking to us about since the beginning of the year. And the key thing he's been speaking to us about is is harvest. And what is harvest? Harvest is more than just many people coming to know Jesus. Uh, Harvest is many people coming to know Jesus, uh, but it's also not just people making a decision, but it's people's lives being transformed. It's people getting added to the church, whether it's this one or uh, or another church. It's people becoming disciples of Jesus, people becoming followers of Jesus. It means marriages being transformed. It means families being transformed. It means relationships between people being healed and restored. Harvest is is more than just a a, a load of people getting saved or coming to know Jesus. It is, if if the scale of harvest in terms of what God is saying we see, then it's going to mean multitudes, many people coming to know him, many households being transformed, many workplaces being touched, many schools being impacted, many communities being reached. Are you here this morning? How many of you believe that God is big? That God is awesome? There's a scripture in the Bible that He can change nations in a day. And so we don't want to limit God by our experience and what we've seen to this, this point so far. Because God is speaking to change what has been our experience past into something new in, in terms of present and going into the future, in terms of what he's saying. So he's trying to take the lid off our lives, the roof of our lives. And as he's speaking, faith gets released. And then we, we, uh, we make decisions and live in relation to what he's doing and saying. So what we've been looking at over the last few weeks in relation to harvest is why is the Lordship of God in our homes so important. Well, God spoke to us about 5,000 households coming to know him in this 25 mile radius around Horsham. And we said last week, so far this year, we've seen, we've, we've reached 40 households with the gospel where people have responded to the gospel in some way in those households. It might not mean the whole household's born again yet or come to know Jesus yet, but somebody in those households has come to know Jesus so far. Amen. And uh, how many of you know that 40 is amazing and we want to thank God for that, right? We want to be thankful in the day that we're in and not despise it in any way saying, yeah, that's great, but we're, waiting, we're really going after this, this huge kind of thing that God is saying. We want to be thankful in the day that we are living right now. There's more rejoicing in heaven over one person that gives their life to Jesus than 99 sinners, people, righteous that don't need to repent. That's what the Bible talks about. So we want to make sure we rejoice over one person giving their life to the Lord. We want to rejoice over somebody getting healed. We want to rejoice over somebody being set free from something that has dogged their life for so many years. We want to be thankful in the now 
Because if we're not thankful in the now, we won't be thankful when there's more. Because if we don't thank God for this and what he's doing now, when there's more, we'll say, yeah, that's great. But and uh, how many of you know that when you when you thank God and rejoice over the first fruits, then he blesses the rest. Steve Imhoff brought a great word in in one of our team day we had a couple of weeks ago and saying that when you tithe financially, the first fruits, the first 10% of your income is the Lord and you is the Lord's and you return it to him. The Bible says that that first fruits, because we give to him what is his, the rest is then blessed. It's the same with our thanksgiving to do with people coming to know Jesus. We rejoice over the one, over the twos, over the fours, over the fives, over the the first few that are coming in in a different way. And then he blesses the rest. How many of you want the harvest in your family, your household, your relationships, people you're reaching to? How many of you want those to be blessed? And what we mean by blessed is you see more. Well, we want to thank God for what he's doing in the now. So... If, the, if, if we're going to see 5,000 households come to know the Lord and we see households transformed, then we, want to, we, need, we need to make sure that His Lordship is happening in our own homes uh, so that we can model something and demonstrate something as, as the Great Commission talks about in Matthew 28. That it's not just <clears throat> seeing people come to know Him and you tell them things. It's talking about you live as an example, as a disciple, because people learn as much as, uh, from what they see as what they hear. Is everybody here this morning? Everybody awake today? It's pretty quiet this morning. It feels like you're waiting for something to happen. You know, God's waiting for us to happen. You know that. You have the, how many of you have the Holy Spirit today? Probably most of us in the room. You, you know God and everything. Well, anyway, let's carry on. Right. So let's just do a quick recap over the last few weeks. The importance of the home and what God is saying. Can we just have that first slate up, which is the, the five levels of, of uh, what we talked about? Great. So firstly, we have God. We have Jesus. He is King. He is Lord. He's the one that we serve. He's the one that we we worship and give our lives to. He's the one that wants to be Lord in our homes. Then there's God's kingdom and we are all part of God's kingdom. Within that kingdom, there is the church, the worldwide church, the body of Christ as the Bible talks about. Then in the worldwide church, there is the local church and every believer needs to be part of a local church. And then as well as the local church, there's the believer in the home. Now, a lot of the time, the, the, the church generally focuses on the local church and people being part of the church. But we know that one of the things that was robbed a few centuries ago was the believer in the home and through Constantine, that he removed everything from the home and said, you have to come to a building, you have to come to a priest, you have to come to the person who stands at the front. If you need to read, hear the Bible, he's going to read it. If you need your prayers uh, uh, spoken, he's going to pray. If you need to be forgiven, come and confess. If you're going to worship, you have to come to a building. You can't have communion at home, you have to come to a building. So everything was, was kind of taken from the home and put into a building and says, this is where everything happens. And it was like something was robbed from the home that God wants to restore and bring back. 
And we are, as part of that, we talked about the priesthood of every believer, that we're a royal priesthood, has a people, but we're also priests in our home. That in our homes, we minister to the Lord. That uh, Every person who, who knows Jesus in your home is a priest before God. It's not just the husband who is the priest of the home. If you're married, husband and wife, you're both priests. If you've got children that know the Lord, you're all priests before the Lord. In that sense. So we looked at the priesthood, God restoring that. Why does he want to restore that? Because there's certain responsibilities that you and I have in our homes to bring his lordship into where we live. And what we talked about was the responsibility. So if I'm the pastor of the church and when we come together, I have certain responsibilities and other leaders do in terms of leading the church and teaching and equipping and training everybody but I don't have authority in your home in the way that you have authority. So if I come into your home, you are the one who has authority in your home. You are the priest or you are the pastor in your home. I am not the pastor in your home. You can invite me in as the pastor to come and have a cup of tea and a, ho- and a chocolate hobnob or something, but, um, or some cake and custard, um, something like that. Or chicken and salad. I don't know, I eat a lot of that these days. Um, or Kit, I like chunky Kit Kats. Uh, don't don't buy me them though, okay? Please, my wife is like, you eat too many of those. So, but I, I so when I come into your home, I don't come in as the pastor, and now I have the authority in your home over you. I come as the pastor if you invite me, but you are the one who has authority in there. So if I come into your home, I might agree with you about something you want to see God do, but you're the one who has authority in your home. So we looked at all of that and uh, we looked at the importance of shalom. What does that mean? It means peace. It means total well-being. It means God bringing his total abundance, his complete wholeness, nothing missing, nothing lost, the way things are supposed to be. That we, we need to make space for his shalom, his total well-being to come into our homes. How many of you know that the devil wants to destroy family life? And we see that in society. Family is part of the fabric of society and the enemy is out to destroy the fabric of society. Therefore, he's going to start in your home. And how can we have his lordship in the local church if there isn't lordship in our lives, in our homes? Because that's where it starts. The first ecclesia, if you like, the first church or where things really begin is in the home and how we are with God individually and how we are with God as a family or as a household in our homes. Because how we are there in our homes will affect what happens when we come together as the local church. And how we are as a local church will impact what is going on in the church. Imagine if every local church on the planet was just humming with God and seeing amazing things happen. What would the church worldwide be like and look like? Well, it could be like that if in the home we understand the responsibility we have and who God is and how he wants to come into that environment and move with power in our homes. We also looked at Hebrews and the word rest in chapters three and four. And in the English, there's only one word for rest in those chapters. And we read it and uh, 
because in there it talks about ceasing from your own work, God ceasing from His. It talks about Sabbath rest and are we supposed to keep the Sabbath or not? Or is, um, <clears throat> is because now we're in Christ or because somebody knows Jesus, uh, the Sabbath is from the Old Testament, so it's irrelevant now because we live a 24-7 Sabbath with God and all of that. And so we, we try to unpack that a little bit to understand that there are three words for rest in Hebrews uh, in there. One, one word does mean to cease. When you look at uh, and unpack it in those chapters, sometimes when the word rest is used there, it means to cease from your work, from your schedule. It means to stop. Another word for rest in there is abode, that you enter God's abode, His habitation. That's when you enter into relationship with Him and, and you become a child of God. That's who you are in Christ. You are a new creation, a new person. 24-7, that's your relationship with God. But then also it talked about the Sabbath rest. Now, it's talking about you have a daily life and a daily schedule. You are a believer when you know Him and you have relationship with Him. So, so you're in Christ Jesus, as it talks about in the Bible. But also the Sabbath rest is in your schedule, as a believer, you need to make sure you stop from this and in your relationship with Him, you need to make space, a Sabbath space, rest, where you rest from everything. Everything's put aside, not just work, but your phone, social media, the pressures of life, uh, the go, 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 work, 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 produce, produce, produce kind of life that we're in. And there's a space in our life, not just as individuals, but as a household, as a family or with friends. And you stop and you say, right, we are setting aside this appointed time that God has given because God wants appointments with us. You can get up every day and spend time with Him. But as a family, as a household, you can spend it every day. You can spend time with them. Brilliant if you can do that. But the starting point for beginning to see his lordship come into our... Oh, that's up there. Thanks. Okay. I didn't realise it was up there yet. We haven't got there yet, but thanks. Um, but we want his, to, for his lordship to come into our homes in a fresh way, then we need to make space for God to come. So the Sabbath, and we looked at this last week. Thanks uh, for, for putting these up. We looked at the Ten Commandments and it's just the, I just want to summarise because some of you might not have been here last week or a couple of weeks ago, or whatever, and what we're, what we're looking at, okay? Because what God wants to bring is His total well-being, His abundance, nothing missing, nothing lost. He wants His power to be at work in our homes. He wants us to understand as a priest or as a pastor in your home, as a believer in your home, you can see the power of God released in your home just as much as you'll see Him here if you respond to an altar call or in a worship time. He's the same God in your home as He is in this building right now. Anybody believe that today? Okay. So what we looked at was the Ten Commandments because sometimes when we start talking about Sabbath or an appointed time with God or making space for God to come into our lives in a fresh way and our homes in a fresh way, we, we look at these Ten Commandments and we say, we all agree with number one. Absolutely, there is no other God. We worship Jesus. He is the only true and living God. The next one, we're not going to make ourselves idols. That's man-made things. No, we, we, we want Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour. We want Him to be the one we worship. 
We won't mis- misuse the name of the Lord. We agree with that. I don't want to blaspheme. I don't want to use His name in vain. No matter in whatever context, um, I, because His name is holy. Then it comes to number four. Remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. And we go, oh, that's Old Testament. We've kicked that out. We, we don't do that. Or that's Jewish or whatever. It's not Jewish because we looked, didn't we, in Genesis 1 and 2 where the Sabbath came from, the seventh day and God rested. And, and it's a command that He gives us to keep the Sabbath. Why? But He made it holy. And the Sabbath is a day where we honour God who is holy because His name is holy, but also He said, keep the Sabbath holy. Now there's two parts of this. One is we are now living in a Sabbath rest with God because we are, if you know Jesus, you are in Christ. Therefore, you're living in a Sabbath rest with God. Therefore, our lives are set apart as holy because we're no longer separated from God over here called a sinner. We've now been forgiven of our sins. We're now a new person. We're now the other side of the cross and what Jesus did on the cross. And we now live in a Sabbath rest with God. But also we need to make space in our homes for that shalom, that Sabbath rest where everything else is put aside and we say, right, this is God's time. As a family, as a group of friends, as a household, whatever context, everything else is here and we're here right now to spend time with God together. We want to share communion. We want to eat together. We, yes, it can be fun. It can be a lot, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But we're making space for God to release His power in our homes and in our lives. And that brings a challenge to how we are personally in our own walk with God. And so what we said about this was, was that the Sabbath is like a bridge to release the life and the power of who God is into everything else that is going on in our lives. And uh, so we can't go through that lot again. Um, So let's move on. So what is the Sabbath? The Sabbath brings wholeness. The Sabbath is for family. The Sabbath also, why when you spend time, when I talk about Sabbath, I don't just mean right from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, you have to start keeping this 24 hour thing. Okay, Uh, in that sense. What we're talking about is making space for God, an appointed time where God can come and move amongst us. If you develop this into something you do every day as a family, absolutely brilliant. And around the dinner table or after dinner or whatever. What happens when you sit around the table and take the Lord's Prayer, for example, and you just take the first line and you say, Our Father... And maybe around the table you say, well, what does it mean to know God as Father? And you begin to talk as, as a family, as a household, or as friends that you might invite round. And you start talking about, well, what does it mean to know God as Father? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? And you begin to talk, or, or you take something else from the Lord's Prayer and a different line, and, and you begin to kind of talk about who God is and how He affects our lives. And there's conversation that is rich. There's conversation going on that then we are sharing life together. We're not just talking about football and, and, and uh, the latest this, that, or the other, or what's going on in Brexit and all of that kind of stuff, which we can all have heated discussions about. And, uh, but yet we, we, we're saying, right, we're here because we want to focus around God in a pointed time where He's going to move and do something powerful. So in that context, whatever you're talking about, say, hey, anybody got any needs? Because we want to pray because as we share communion, 
We're going to remind ourselves. We're going to remember who God is, what he's done, what communion's all about. And by faith, as we share the bread and share the wine right now, we're going to believe that the same power that's at work when Jesus went to the cross is the same power that's going to be at work right now as we share communion, as we pray for people that need to be healed, or we pray for a situation to change, or we invite God to come in and move in in, in a certain way. And so we're appropriating by faith what communion is all about and why we're doing it. What else did we say was important that when we do this and we invest in our, our husband and wives, we invest in our children or in friends that we're inviting around. When we are, we are creating this environment where God can come in, we're investing, let's just put it this way, especially in our kids, that when they go to school, when they're living their life out in their generation, they have this antidote going on inside them called the Word of God, called relationship with God. Because we've been round the table, they've been learning things about God, about people, about life and how to live, how to forgive, how to be gracious, how to be merciful, how not to react and respond. It's not about revenge, we forgive. How do you love when somebody doesn't love you? How do you be a witness in your school by just the way you are or whatever it might look like so that we're providing something that when they're out there in their lives, there's an antidote to the stuff that is going on. Because if we don't teach and train our kids in the home, they'll get something from somebody else's table where they believe something else and live something else when it, that tells the next generation, you have to think this, wear this, believe this, do this. Yeah. We want to be the prime movers and shakers yes, yes. in our children's lives. We want to prime movers and shakers in the way our marriages are, in the way our relationships are. When you've got friends around for a meal and you have communion together, you don't have to turn it into a meeting. In Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, one of the things in there is that they they met in the temple courts daily, but then it says they broke bread together in their homes and they shared fellowship and it said they were full of joy. And you know, when God's around, it's joyful. There can be holy moments, you know, where, I mean, it's always holy, but there can be what we think as holy moments that are a bit more, wow, okay, God is here and, you know, but there's other times that are joyful and God wants this appointed time with Him in our homes to be full of life, full of joy. A time where we invite others into that, where we're eating together. And then in the, that whole context, we say, right, let's break bread. Let's just share about who God, let's remember who He is. Because the Sabbath and and what that's all about is actually to remember who God is. To honour Him and to remember. To honour Him and to remember. We want to honour His name, but we want to remember who He is and what He's done. So we spend time talking about Him, thanking Him and everything else. Jesus said Himself, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So we're not talking about worshipping the Sabbath. We're talking about taking some time where we can honour God in the Sabbath, in a place of rest, because that's what the Sabbath is. Sabbath is rest, divine rest. So we're stopping everything else in our lives for might be half an hour, could be 15 minutes, could be two hours, could be a whole evening, I don't know. But start somewhere in your home. Start somewhere when you have friends round. Start somewhere in your household and say, God, we want to make space. We want there to be that appointed time with you where this is just you. That we don't just have dinner, 
and we talk about Brexit one minute, something spiritual the next, then we're back onto football the next or onto what happened at work there. No, what we're doing is, is we might have people around, we're talking and we're eating and everything. Then we say, right, okay, let's get round the table. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about who God is. Let's remember what he's done for us. Let's talk about how we live life with God in our lives. How do we deal with struggles and challenges? How do we deal with the culture of the day? How do we live that? What does the Bible say? And let's, let's eat, you know, let's have community together and pray into that and thank God. Let's appropriate the truth. Let's then pray for your husband or your wife. Pray for your kids. Speak blessing over them. Pray for your kids that your, your sons, if you've got sons, that when they grow up, they're going to have amazing wives. Pray for their wives to be. If you've got girls, pray for their husbands to be. That's what we did with our kids when they were growing up. We often prayed for them, for their, their wives or, or for our daughter, for their husbands. And, and she's not married yet. The guys are and they've got amazing wives. You know, and, and we prayed for years over them. Father, we thank you for the wives you have for our sons. We thank you they're going to be godly women. We thank you they're going to be amazing friends. They're going to be their best friends. Thank you they're going to walk together. They're going to do stuff together as husband and wife and all that kind of stuff. Anybody else done that with their kids? Do, you know, and, and you see how God then works and moves and blesses as you, by faith, take hold of what he wants to do. So this, this appointed time is a gift that is given where God wants to, to bless us. It's something that he's, he's made for us and not us for it. OK, so we're not talking about a religious activity. We're not talking about, um, you know, oh, I've got to do this. Should You don't have to do any of this if you don't want to. But if you make space for God, what is he going to do? He's going to fill it. If you don't give him space, he's got nothing to fill. But if you give him space, he'll fill it. You give God an inch, he'll fill it. Give him six inches, he'll fill it. Give him a mile, he'll fill it. However much space you give, God's going to go, I love this. They're making space for me and he's going to come and he's going to work and he's going to move. And so let's just start somewhere. Why is the Sabbath so important? Why is it? Well, seven times in the Gospels, there's miracles recorded on the Sabbath. The devil hates the Sabbath. The devil wants to make the Sabbath a religious activity. When Jesus was around, the Pharisees made the Sabbath so religious that the people were caught up in religion and tradition. They weren't allowed to do anything. You can't do this. You can't do that. It was all about what you can't do because you have to try and fulfill this to be good enough for God or you've, or you've upset him. And Jesus walked into that culture and he started healing people on the Sabbath. Life was released on the Sabbath. Power was released on the Sabbath. He even ate on the Sabbath in a way, you know, where he, they said, you can't, you're not allowed to do that and all of that. God is not about what you're not allowed to do. What God is about is, hey, look what I've come to give you and look, look what you can have. And when we step into that, we don't want some all this stuff from the old, we just want the new of what he wants to do. Because there's life and power in who God is. So the enemy and, and people want to turn something into a religious activity. We're not talking about religious activity. The Sabbath is a sacred space, an appointed time where we say, God, this is yours. We're, we're shutting everything else out, the pressure of life and the world and the culture, and we're going to give this time, this hour, this two hours, this evening, whatever it is, in your setting, we're going to hand it over to you. Now, I want to get into a couple of other things, but firstly, just for a few minutes, 
I just want to quickly invite Ian and Karen. Do you quickly just want, I know you can't come on the platform, but I just want to ask them a couple of questions. God's been doing something amazing in these guys. And it's just to show the power of what God does in the home when you believe together, when you have communion together and, uh, and what God begins to, uh, to do. Now, one of the things we're starting to do is video people's stories and testimonies. And this, this could be, you, these guys could talk for a long time in terms of what God's doing. But this is just going to be a very, very short synopsis of what God's been doing because there's other stuff that I need to say this morning. Is that all right? Just letting you guys know. And just letting you know. But uh, these guys, you want to come this way a little bit more? Ian and Karen, these couple are amazing. A man and a woman of faith here, you know, and in the face of practical challenges, uh, these guys really got hold of the word and got hold of God in terms of what he's doing. So, Karen, can you just give us a quick kind of synopsis of of what's what's happened to you? Okay, is that first of all, is that right? Okay, yeah. In, when in 2012, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, right breast. They couldn't um, do anything really at the time apart from offering me radical surgery and chemotherapy because at that time it was already the size of a conker. Um, and so I refused it because I felt the Lord didn't want me to have it. He wanted to do something himself. So I refused and things carried on quite nicely until 2017 when the whole breast doubled in size, became very inflamed, painful, leaking blood, everything. And I still trusted the Lord. I said, but I would sometimes say, you know, what's going on here? And he said on three separate occasions, it will be all right. So I thought, okay, it'll be okay. Until um, September of that year, uh, September 2018, September 2018, I was taken into hospital um, with what was suspected um, pneumonia and pleurisy. And they did a CT scan. They said, well, it's actually spread to your sternum, to the lymph node under the right arm, and also to the top of your skull. Um, But we still weren't ruffled by it because we've been feeding on the word. So I could never, ever believe that it was going to end in anything other than a good report. Um, We kept sort of speaking the word over it all the time until January this year when I had a massive hemorrhage and was taken into the hospital and they said, um, we can do radiotherapy on this, but it's only palliative care. We can't do anything. There's no cure it's too big. It was 10 centimetres, the tumour was, by that time. Um, we can't do anything about it, only make you comfortable. So they took me um, in for the radiotherapy, and that was amazing. You know, by the fourth week, the tumour had shrunk to half the size. Great. Um, well, the, well, the breast had shrunk to half the size. The tumour had actually sort of got a lot smaller. But the, the breast had shrunk, and then after I'd finished the radiotherapy. A week later, Ian was putting a new dressing on and cleaning the wound and the tumour fell out on the bathroom floor. <laughs> and it was actually four, four inches by two and a half inches. Yeah, yeah. Now how the tumour could have got out, because there were two holes underneath where the tumour started growing out through the outside of the breast before, how that tumour could have got out through an inch hole without ripping the skin, without causing a lot of bleeding, without causing a lot of pain. I don't know. It was obviously Holy Ghost surgery. Yeah, 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 right. So it was um, quite an amazing thing. And it was lying there. It was lying on the floor. You know, so so that was the first 
good bit. And then I went back on the 1st of April to see the oncologist. The report was that there is no cancer in the sternum, yeah. none in the lymph node, and none yeah. in my skull. Right. So okay. this hadn't happened. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so this hadn't fallen out by then, so they, so they haven't got the main, you know, the result of the breast yet. But um, when I showed the, um, the oncologist the photograph of it, she was really delighted and quite surprised yeah. that it had come out like that. And but I believe when I go back in May, that there's going to be no trace of cancer yeah, in this I'm body there. at I'm all, right. none at all. So. So during during all this time, then how how did you handle the reports that they were giving you and the words they were speaking? What what did you guys do to counteract that? Well, we just we just kept praying, didn't we? Just kept praying over it. And I had a, I had a CD called Face Proclamations that was given to me, and I was declare I was using that twice a day to start with, and then once a day, and I was declaring the word over myself, and I just refused to die. I absolutely refused to die. I said, I'm not going to die. This is not going to end in death. And whatever they said, the Lord gave me the ability to let it just go over my head. You know, my armour was too strong. It just couldn't possibly... I wasn't trying not to let it go in. It just couldn't go right. in yeah. and every opportunity they got in the hospital they said you know this is we can't do anything this is like the end you know we can't do, go home we can't do anything for you you know it's just a bad report every time but and they actually got quite annoyed with me sometimes because I would just look at them when they said it and one doctor said to me do you understand what I'm saying to you and I said yes I do thank you very much doctor <laughs> And I just, you know, he just stormed off. He was really annoyed <laughs> because he just didn't have the effect that he thought it would have. That's amazing, isn't it, what God's doing? So you guys, like you said to me the other day, you, you often break bread at home. You have communion together and mm-hmm. prayed into all of that kind of stuff. Why did you have communion? Well, to um, take authority, what Jesus has already done. We, the, Jesus said it's finished. Yeah. It's done. So we're living in the Word of God. So the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. So we just we literally had to attack the cancer with the Word of God. And yeah. it destroyed yeah. it. Because Brilliant. they said in the hospital there was no way they could remove that cancer with surgery because it was too integrated into right. the breast. Right. But God's Word cut it out and yeah, destroyed yeah, yeah. it. Amen. So that is the victory. And, uh, you know, God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Yeah. And he's not a respecter of persons. He just wants us to uphold his word because it is the word of his power. Yeah. And if we take authority in his word, you know, we just have to just stand in faith and just keep declaring the word because where the word is, there is life, there is power. And we know that because we've seen the manifestation of it. You know, when you're going through, um, like my wife was, and I was was doing the cancer, when the cancer was at its most prominent, it was leaking. Three times a day I was doing the dressing yeah. and I did that since last September yeah. and we could not stop the flow of the yeah. tumour because it was so much stuff coming out and it, it, in the natural you'd think well how are you going to get around this but I took no notice of what the tumour was doing I just took notice of what God's word said right. and the results came through because yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I mean that morning I turned around to put the to put another dress on I heard plop on the floor there it was and I said Lord and I just rejoiced in yeah, what yeah, God yeah. had done because Amen. God is faithful right. to his word right 
it's faithful to his word. Yeah, there's no, it doesn't return void. Yeah, it says my word in Isaiah 55, 11, my word should go out and accomplish what I desire yeah, yeah. and not return to me yeah, void. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I just kept declaring, you know, yeah. we have the life of God in us. Yeah. We declare that, you know, God is great yeah. the greater is he that is in us yeah. and he that is in yeah. the world. Yeah. And you have to sh- uh, absorb all the negative with the word of God. The yeah. word of God, will uh, you'll, you'll live a higher life. Come on. In Christ. (laughs) Come on. Let's stand and let's thank the Lord, shall we? Come on. We need to praise God and thank him for what he has done. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you guys, all right. Come on. Hey, we can do better than that. Come on. Yeah. God is good. Amen. What an amazing testimony. Just grab a seat. Just round up over the next few minutes. So, (coughs) what were Ian and Karen doing at home? They were constantly remembering, reminding themselves of who God is and what he says. And in the midst of that, God was speaking. And all of that was happening in the home. It wasn't happening here. Their faith might have been encouraged by being here, but actually the breakthrough in their situation came because in their home, they agreed together. They were praying together. And I'm sure others, when they were around at their home, were agreeing and praying together. They shared communion. Why? It's like, God, we belong to you our lives are yours. Our home is yours. Everything we have is yours. And, and we want to live in such a way where your life and power is coming in to defy all of the circumstances, all of the, the, the facts that are shouting something else. And that in the middle of that, in the choir of God speaking, breaking bread, God's power is at work. How many of you want to see that kind of release in your home in different situations, in different ways? I mean... Okay, there was some stuff I was going to talk about, but we'll just jump all of that. Let's stand together, shall we? So what, what are we really, just close your eyes for a moment. What are we really talking about today? What we're really speaking about is His Lordship. His Lordship in our lives, personally. No matter what your situation, whether you, whether you live on your own, whether you live with other friends as a household or whether you live in a family environment like with your husband or wife or with your kids, whatever your context is, this is about his lordship in our homes. And it's about the starting point anyway is like an appointed time with God in our homes, where we set everything else aside, where we expect his shalom to come in, his total well-being, his abundant goodness, nothing missing, nothing lost, his power to be released. And it starts with his lordship in our, in our lives. So this morning, just firstly, 
Just bring yourself to the Lord right now. Just draw a line this morning, no matter what your home has been like up to this point. Draw a line and say, Father, I want, I want there to be change in my home. I want there to be change in my household. I want to surrender to you. I choose to surrender to you afresh right now. Just surrender yourself first of all, because that's where it starts. Father, I just bring my own life. I bring my thinking, my heart, my body. I bring everything afresh under your Lordship. Everything in my home, everything that I have, everything you've blessed me with, I bring it all under your Lordship. Maybe there are people here today and you don't know Jesus. And you're saying, well, how is this message relevant for me? Well, Jesus wants relationship with you and he wants to be Lord of your life. Lord doesn't mean control in the sense of manipulation or anything like that. Lordship means that he is centre of your life. He is number one in your life. That you surrender everything to him and give your life to him. He's got plans for you. He's got a great purpose for you. But in order for you to know him, you have to get to that point where you say, Jesus, I, I don't want to live my life in my own way anymore. I don't want to live my life outside of a relationship with you. I want to give my life to you and surrender my life to you. You might be at that point this morning. You say, I, I want your Lordship then. I want what this guy's been talking about in my home, the shalom, that total peace, because there's not peace in my home. There's not even peace in my life. But I want that peace, that total well-being. I want that nothing missing, nothing lost, because I, I, I don't know where my life's going or what really is going on when it boils down to it. And like every, most of the other people in the room that are just in a fresh way saying, God, I surrender my life to you afresh. Maybe you as an individual, if you don't know Jesus, they can say, God, I want to come to you and take a first step towards you today. And I want to surrender my life to you. It's that simple to start with. God, I surrender my life. I want to surrender everything to you. Maybe for all of us in the room, if you know he's not being Lord of your life or Lord in the home, maybe if you haven't made space for him, firstly then say, Father, I ask you to forgive me that I've not made space for you in my home. I've filled the time with so many other things. And, and what we're talking about here is not your own personal time with the Lord, necessarily. We're talking about people in your home, your family, your household, when you have other people around, your small group, whatever context it might be, that you're making space in the week, there's an appointed time that God wants with you. And maybe you say, well, that's Friday, or it could be Saturday lunch, uh, uh, breakfast, or it could alternate. But you invite people in, you invite people around, say, hey, just come and have some time. Do you want to come over and, uh, and have dinner? We're going to have communion. We're going to talk. We're going to pray. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a great time together. Maybe you've not made space to do that. Maybe you haven't particularly invested in your kids and spent time talking about the Lord. Maybe like, well, it's just too hard, too difficult. Well, you don't have to have half an hour, 40 minutes. Maybe it's literally just five minutes at the beginning 
where you, you get your kids because they're all you get them around the table, get them sitting around the table together. Don't just sit in front of the telly and all eat dinner. If that's what you do. Get around the table and for a few minutes just talk about who God is. And get the conversation around the Lord. And maybe their attention span won't last that long at the beginning. That's okay. Don't beat yourself up about it. We're not talking about turning it into a revival meeting. It could become one, who knows? But if you know, it's like, I've not been very good at parenting. Don't let the enemy jump on your back this morning and say, you've been rubbish at parenting. You're not very good at this. You're not very good at that. Just, just, just ignore the devil for a minute. Draw a line and say, right, from today onwards, I'm going to make space. From today onwards, Father, I ask you for your grace. God, I need your grace to enable me to invest in my husband or wife or my kids or in my small group or when I've got friends around, whatever the context. Particularly in your home, his lordship. So you need some space, you need a time, you need to decide. This time, 5.30, 6 o'clock on Friday, whatever it might be, we're going to eat dinner, we're going to have communion, we're going to talk, we're going to pray. You can maybe use the Lord's Prayer, not as a prayer, but maybe you can use the first line, Our Father, what does that mean? Hallowed be your name, what is that? Holy, why is God holy? Your kingdom come, what does it mean, His kingdom come? Your will be done. What does it mean to live in the will of God? How do we know what that is? You're going to need to talk about just these things around the table. What's God been doing in our lives? Maybe make it practical. Where, where are the challenges in our lives? What's it like at school? What's it like at work? What are the tough situations we have to deal with? Who are the people that we struggle with? How do we forgive them? What, what does Jesus say? It's just starting to talk about life with God in it and saying, God, we want to train our kids. We want to equip one another, whether it's husband or wife or you've got friends around. Make a decision. Make some space at a pointed time for God's shalom to come in. You might use the ironic blessing in Numbers chapter 6 and where you're speaking God's blessing over one another and you get it and say the Lord bless you and keep you you might lay hands on your children if you've got them you might lay hands on your husband or your wife if that's the situation you're in if you've got friends around you might lay hands on one another and say the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you the Lord turn his face towards you and give you rest give you peace total abundance you never know what then might start coming out you might start having a prophetic word you might start encouraging them and, and suddenly life is beginning to get released or you've got one of your children or a friend that comes around, they're not well, they're not doing good, they've got challenges. Say, Father, we invite you into this situation right now. We agree together for breakthrough. We agree together for healing. We thank you for your life and power to be released. How many of you, some of you might do this already, but what would it be like if all of us in our homes and households were doing this every week? The stories that are going to start to come through, the testimonies like we've just heard from Ian and Karen that are going to come through, a tumour dropping off on the floor and there was no blood, there was nothing, it was just like a clean thing. In the natural it should have been a mess. But yet the Holy Spirit was at work. If He can do it for these guys, He can do it for you. He can do it for me.
He can do it for any of us. So, Father, we surrender afresh to your individual. Now just surrender your home to the Lord. Father, I surrender my home to you. It's your home. It's not mine. It's yours. And we want to honour you in the home. We want your lordship in the home. We want to create space where we honour your name as holy. That we don't watch stuff on the TV that is profaning your name and constantly swearing and this and that and the other because that doesn't honour your name in our homes. That doesn't lift your name up in our homes. That shoves it back in your face. We, we say that you're holy, but then we watch stuff on the TV or, or, or whatever we're doing you know, on our iPads or whatever else in home where, where people are committing adultery, where people are swearing and blaspheming. They're, they're doing loads of stuff and we're being entertained by that. Yet we're saying, God, we want you to be Lord of our homes and we want you to be holy. Father, we're not talking about something religious. We're not allowed to do that. And what we're saying is if you're holy, we want to live in a way that you're holy. We want to honour you in that way, Father. And we want your presence to be in our homes. Yet we, So we don't want anything else to be going on that is counteractive to who you are. People ask me sometimes, oh, have you seen this programme or that programme? I'm like, I've not got a clue. I, don't even, I couldn't even tell you what it's about. Something like Game of Thrones or things that lots of people watch. People say, oh, have you seen it? I'm like, I, no, I've never seen it. Don't want to watch it. Not interested. I couldn't even tell you what it's about. Other stuff. And you hear what people, you know, and you're like, well, I don't particularly want that in my home, thanks. I don't want to entertain myself with that kind of stuff. I've been set apart. I've been saved out of all of that. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch the devil at work in people's lives. That might sound, oh my word, that's a bit... You, you just ask the Holy Spirit to show you what your home needs to look like. I'm, I'm not going to start telling you that sort of stuff, what you can and can't do, or anything like that. But I say, Holy Spirit, show me what my home needs to look like that honours you, that honours your name as holy, that remembers who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you ready for breakthrough and release in your homes? Are you ready for breakthrough and release in your homes? Make some space. Make some space. Make some space. You can use the Lord's Prayer. I don't mean just go through it, but use it to help some conversation. Number six, you can use that to pray uh, in, in different ways. We, we are putting together something that we're going to get into your hands that's going to help you. Uh, how do you do certain things? How do you have communion? How do you, you, you do all of that? You don't, don't have to turn it into a, a religious thing. We want to honour God in it as we break bread and remember what he went through as he gave his life for us. He gave his body for us, whipped and beaten and how he surrendered everything so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be healed and he shed his blood. What does that mean? What does that and we'll carry on talking about some of this stuff. We've got Easter next weekend, which is a brilliant time to begin to make this a habit in your home. Make it a habit in your home to spend time and appointed time with, with the Lord. Father, I just thank you right now that as we respond to your word in our homes, we thank when we respond, grace is released to actually do and live your word. So Father, I just pray right now where for some they might be saying, well, my kids, you don't know what they're like. They run riot all the time and, and, uh, and you know, we can't get them to sit down for more than five minutes. Well, begin to respond to the word around the dinner table and see what the grace of God starts to do. See what begins to happen and suddenly your kids sit still. Suddenly you find their attention span is increasing. 
suddenly find there's an interest in God. Why? Because you're beginning to bring God into the scenario in a different way than you have done. Maybe you're praying into it a little bit when you're not around the table. Father, I thank you for your grace that when we eat and we talk and we pray together, my kids aren't just going to be picking their noses and kind of, Dad, can we get down yet? Can we get down yet? You know, or whatever. Can we go? Can we go? Can we go? Or whatever. But actually, they have an extra couple of minutes that turns into five minutes, that turns into 10, that turns into a conversation where they want to know more and they're asking questions. Father, we thank you for your grace being released when we respond to your word. We praise your awesome mighty name and everybody said Amen. Amen Amen Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith Podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you for more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts please visit www.kingdomfaith.com